A Rich Tradition College Football Podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to A Rich Tradition College Football Podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Bell, two friends, one love, and that is college football. First things first, Roberto, welcome back the wife. Yeah, man. It is so great to have my wife home. So good. So pictures were always uh, the pictures there at the uh, that you guys posted uh, there at the at the airport were were really good. Uh, at least all geared up, and then you and uh, you and the baby that was uh, that was all real good, real good looking stuff. I'm I'm happy for you. Thanks, man. Uh, did you get a chance to see the video? The video? Of no, I missed a video. I didn't see a video. I just saw pictures. Um, it's on Facebook. I, I know you're not on Facebook a lot. Um, but but yeah, we I posted on Facebook. Uh, just this great uh, couple that um, we thought we were going to be paying them, and after the fact, they ended up um, they ended up giving us this whole thing for free. And oh, so, very lovely. yeah, it was it was really cool, man. Um, you know, a couple things that just stood out, and then we can move on. Is just you really you really just don't know what it's like to be you don't know what it's like to be a parent with your spouse on the other side of the world but more importantly you don't know what it's like to be the parent on the other side of the world watching your kid grow up on a screen right and this is just the you know the james one two through four passage just became real for lisa and i this year just you know count it all joy when you when you endure trial and so um we we has been a great year, and so I'm glad though to be here tonight talking about some college football because boy, there has been a butt ton of news. Yeah, we're recording here on a Wednesday, and Rob, I don't know if I've ever been more torn on a college football situation or just a <laughs> sports situation than mm-hmm. I am for the Big Ten, Ohio State, Indiana. The whole thing just has me completely in the middle. I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm leaning one way, but I understand the other side of things because I was beating the drum. You and I beat the drum right here several episodes in a row. We've got to we've got to make sure we're we are generating revenue. A part of doing what we're doing is to generate revenue to keep you know secretaries at their desk and to keep popcorn poppers at their at their position and. You know, to do what we can for the people who have day-to-day jobs in college football, we've got to play these games to try to keep as many of those people as many of those people uh, in their spots as possible. And that's you know they they took that and dialed that up to eleven here, did they not? Yeah, man. Uh, so so the Big Ten today changed the rules so that. So that Ohio State could play in the Big Ten championship and not have that that ding against them, so they would have an easier path to get into the playoff. It is not a it, it is a brilliant move on their part. Like truly, it is. Like can we can we just talk about that in the, for for a moment? Like just the the right move that this is. Let's talk about the positive of this, and then you and I can destroy them. Okay. Um. It it really was the right move. If you're if you're trying to get your pl- your team in the playoff, which is what every conference should want, you are going to take this very weird year 
and you're going to try to you're just going to try to get your team in as best and as best you can. And I mean, am I right or wrong? Yeah. So it was said to me uh, just yesterday. What what happened? What happens in 2020 stays in 2020. <laughs> uh, so we're we're we are definitely going to take advantage of this being a weird year, which a lot of people have applauded and and sort of gone gone along with that it's a weird year. You had this six-game rule all of three months ago. You said you weren't going to play football all of three months ago, and here we are doing what we're doing. So by all means, change whatever you want to change, uh, and then at the same time, uh, you know, you're talking about the right thing to do. At the same time, there's it's hard to argue that Ohio State has definitely not looked like one of the best teams in the uh, in the country and so uh you've definitely got that end of it and then two something was said earlier today uh that i heard you know ohio state's getting preferential treatment but you could make the argument that the big 10 is playing football right now because ohio state helped spearhead the campaign to get back on the field you know it's almost as if they don't have these other games but they sort of made up for it by the fact that they fought as hard as they did to actually be out on the field to be able to play, even if it's just five games. Yeah, man. Um, I'm okay. So this is all about money. We talked about that. Ohio right. State. You know, I, I thought two weeks ago, the and and last week and this week has all been the committee covering their butt. It has been cover your butt, um, cover your butt rankings. Because in any almost in any scenario, you have an out for why you do something. Okay, it doesn't make sense right now, but it'll make sense for the final four. We knew that this was probably going to happen, but here's the problem: this is not necessarily like the Big Ten. Like they're a bunch of hypocrites, and like it's hilarious to me that every team in their conference sucks, besides Ohio State and Indiana and Northwestern, and. Everyone else, like I think, there's only like, hardly anyone else has more than two wins in the conference outside of those three teams. And they were the ones who, as we talked about before, pumping their chest and trying to be self righteous, and then they come across looking like idiots. To where now they are going to try to argue that a five-win team deserves to be in the playoff, technically six, you know, whenever they get into the the Big Ten championship. The problem, though, is before the Big Ten did this. This goes back to the ACC being a bunch of spineless pieces of crap and not forcing Clemson and Dabo Sweeney to play the games that they were scheduled when they got rescheduled. And the fact they let Clemson dictate not playing a game against two different teams and forced the ACC as a, as a conference to maneuver Notre Dame so they so they could have a bye week before the ACC ACC championship to make sure that, you know everything was even. The precedent got set by the ACC about rain, about changing things. And the Big Ten just did what they did to benefit to benefit their conference, just like the ACC did. The ACC did this to almost guarantee that they're going to get two teams in the playoff. Yeah, and it's almost as if, so I, I feel like the dominoes started. I'm not sure when the dominoes started to fall, but I think we definitely did hear the news about the ACC first Part of me is is sort of remembering it sort of started to float out there about Ohio State and changing rules if if this was going to happen. What are they going to do in the Big Ten if Ohio State 
can't play its 10 games when they had to miss the Illinois game and the, the Michigan State and Michigan games sort of became question marks. So whether whichever dominoes fell first, you're absolutely right. Everybody's looking out for themselves. Everybody's in a position to do what's best for them themselves. And, uh, you know, the SEC sort of has the moral ground, which makes a lot of people around the country laugh. Uh, they did their shenanigans, if you want to call it that, at the beginning of the season. Yes, they did. With the, with the changing of the schedules or, or trying to, you know, create paths for at least four teams in Georgia, Florida, uh, Alabama, and LSU, not knowing LSU would be crap, and then not knowing that all of the first-year coaches would do um, would do decent things outside of – um, you know, outside of, of, of Mike Leach, but and even he has that first big win. Point is, everybody has sort of looked out for themselves the best that they possibly could. And I guess the Pac-12 kind of gets left out a little bit. What else is new? And that's, I mean, that's what you have. Everybody is taking advantage of this situation. So if you, and that part of it makes, sort of makes the difficulty in the uh, in the torn conversation from earlier that, well, yeah, they're they're doing it. Everybody else is doing it. It kind of feels like you're Tom Hanks and Kevin Bacon sitting in space on Apollo 13 right now. You don't have any answers. There's nothing you can do. It, it, the, the difference is, is there's no Houston. There's no, you know, Lieutenant Dan back at back in Houston fixing things, sitting in the lamb fixing stuff. Uh, yeah. And and there's nobody building you air filters. You know, so you just feel like you're lost in space if you're a, a, a fan right now because. Everybody's just doing their own thing, and you know it's wild, wild west slash stuck in space. Yeah, so, I, I so like to continue the, the 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 sucky part of this. Indiana got screwed here. Indiana got screwed, now, and they're taking it on the chin. They they are, and their you know their ad's comments you know today, you know their statement was was eloquent and, and great, but like. They got screwed, and I know the response is "Don't lose, don't lose to Ohio State," and you know you're you're playing. Yeah, but here's my point: if the roles were reversed, and Indiana only had five wins, but they were undefeated, and they beat Ohio State, would you still be bending over backwards to get Indiana in? Because I almost can guarantee you the answer to that riddle is no. If Indiana has a win over Ohio State, mm-hmm. Where are they at in the rankings? They sit at 12 now. Where are they at in the rankings undefeated with a win over Ohio State? Well, they're they're honestly probably probably five. Maybe. So they're ahead of both Florida and I, I think they're I think they're ahead of Florida. I don't know if they're ahead of AM. You know, because like if if you're looking at Ohio State and you're looking at how they've looked in other games prior to outside of the the quote unquote loss in the scenario to Indiana, then they're probably not ranked very high, right? You, you know, but well, I'm but just my, so I'm just talking my, about where where is Indiana at and how probably top five or six because I'm right. I'm guessing I guess the but, Big Ten might not have a choice if Indiana's there, they might not have a choice but to do everything they can to make sure Indiana gets in. You know what I mean? Like, because we're talking about this from a standpoint of they're fighting for their spot, their name to be in the party or at the party, they might not have a choice, you know? That's a, that's, that's a logical, fair counter. But do you see, do you see what I'm saying though? Like, do you think I'm, you think I'm absolutely, you think I'm ridiculous for, for saying that? 
are they changing are like, they changing conference rules for it? They're yes. Just for I, I just feel like if it was if it was outside of Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, they would not be bending over backwards for any other team in their conference. So here's the here's the finishing out of, of this of the proposed scenario. It is Indiana who has the five wins and only the five games, and it's Ohio State who is five and one. They've played their six games. Are they changing the rules for Indiana? No. They're saying, here are the rules. Ohio State's into the championship. Indiana, sorry for you guys. I just, there's nothing we can do. No, so you're right. You're absolutely right. I went in the wrong direction with the scenario. The scenario is definitely no. They're not doing any of this because, oh, it works out. Look, the rule, <laughs> and that's what it all is. Even from the college football playoff committee all the way down to these things, we're going to follow the rules, especially in this season, as long as the rules benefit what we want. Yeah, and that's, which which brings me back to the ACC thing, of of the Dabo and and Clemson thing, man. Like, I actually have less of a problem with with them doing this for Ohio State than I do the Clemson thing at ACC. Like they refuse to play a team to go play a game to go play a team, refuse. Like that's the words that were used. Refuse. So that's a forfeit. Yeah, like yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> wow. Like I just and, and and I do not I do not blame Notre Dame in any way, shape, or form for being for benefiting from this when it would have been absolute bullcrap for Clemson to essentially have two bye weeks leading into the ACC tournament and Notre Dame having to play two games leading into the ACC uh, championship game. Like right. I have no pro I have no problem with with what they did. None. But for in, in terms of yes, okay, for we're balancing. having to do it for yes. over here, then yes. we have to do it over here. Yes. My problem is with like I've just become an anti Dabo guy this year, and I did not believe that it was possible, but I am. I am a, I am against Dabo Sweeney now for his arrogance, for his lack his obtuse viewpoints, and his just inability to read the room and believe like his just antics. It's just antics. It's it just what it is. It's just frustrating. Yeah. So their their game's going to be protected uh, in um, Clemson and, and and Notre Dame where it is being protected. Um, I, I guess if you're you know just to flip back to the Big Ten, if you're Indiana, you're taking this on the chin now, and you you you've just become the biggest Ohio State fans in, in the country, right? Because they have to win the whole thing now, or at least they better win the whole thing now. Because if you're getting sort of bumped to go sit at home, then they better at the very least have a very strong showing and not get eliminated in the in the first round. They better play for the championship, win their conference, and then play for the championship. I mean, that's almost the rest of the whole Big Ten. I mean, is is is. Is it possible that Northwestern just comes out and and just goes you know three and out every possession, just takes a knee, and and <sighs> lets Ohio State run into the end zone a bunch of times? Could oh you imagine gosh. that? How please, how oh my, awesome would you say that? that? Why would you say that? Oh, now I feel, I just feel gross the thought of that. But how? No, Ferentz isn't going to let Ferentz right? No, Ferentz is at Iowa. Who's the uh, uh, Fitzgerald? Fitzgerald, like Fitzgerald ain't going to let that happen, man. Like Does here's what control. I mean, here's I mean, what I want. The, is, are I want. The, is the athletic director and the principal, or the principal, the uh, the, the, the president, going to come down and be like, "Pat, man, take a vacation this week, buddy. We'll coach. Uh, we'll coach the team." 
bro. Like, like. I badly, <laughs> I badly, so badly now want, because you said the scenario, I want Northwestern to win now. Like, I want them to win. But how much do you kind of want Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald to come out and do it? And just be like, you know what? You guys get to go ahead and just go right on in. We're, we're not going to give you any resistance. We're not going to come out here and compete. We're not going to give you a game. We're not going to give you anything. Just walk right into it because this is this is BS. I could see myself thinking this as, as the coach, seriously sitting down and considering it, talking to even the seniors and saying, somebody needs to make a statement. Somebody needs to have some uh, – somebody needs to stand up and be in defense of the integrity of competition. Because everybody in college football, up to the writers and the podcasters and the presidents and the everybody, has completely and totally lost all sense of integrity for competition. And, sure, and certainly it's for the money, and we've already talked about it's, it's a very compelling conversation for the money because of the pandemic that we're in. But part of me says – this in deep deep inside says somebody needs to stand up for the integrity of competition, and that would be one heck of a way to do it and just say, nobody else cares. We're not going to come out here and potentially get ourselves beat up and potentially get ourselves hurt. Go go, just just take it. We, we can, don't even want to play the game. Can I have one counter? Sure. In, in, over in, here. in your scenario, here's my only problem with that. That scenario – blatantly affects the Ohio State players that have nothing to do with this scenario. Absolutely. This has this has everything to this has everything to do with the Big Ten and the way the Big Ten as a as a in syndicate has handled this garbage season. Well and it would have everything to do it, it would also affect the Northwestern players as well. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Because they want to play. Michigan yeah. wants to play this weekend. Um I mean hell it would save Jim Harbaugh's butt if he could play this weekend and upset you know Ohio State as they're trying, as they're trying to play for a championship, that so would save his job. It's it's low hanging fruit, but here's here's another thing, another frustrating thing about this Ohio State thing. And again, I'm not focused on Ohio State and Ryan Day. I'm talking about the athletic directors and the Big Ten as a, as a whole. Why the hell didn't you just go and say Ohio State, Texas A&M, let's play? Why didn't you just do that? Right. So the argument that I've heard today, because I agree with you. The argument that I've heard today is we don't have to. Why, why would we play that game? Because right now we're already in the top four. We've got everything to lose in that scenario versus everything to gain because right now we're in the top four, and there doesn't seem to be any change from the committee with our five wins. We're probably getting in. Even without a Big Ten championship game, we might get in. So why go upset the stat, you know, why go upset the status quo when we're probably getting in anyway, my scenario would involve and say, and it probably already slightly undercut it, but that the rule that we're changing, instead of changing the eligibility rule, the six-game rule, you say, Ohio State, you're not playing for the Big Ten Championship. Indiana and Northwestern are going to play. But Ohio State, you can schedule a non-con game. And if you want to sort of make up for the fact that you don't have as many games as everybody else, and if you want to make up for the fact that you're not playing for the Big Ten Championship, you're not going to have that title belt around your waist to flaunt around and use to get into the champion uh, into the playoff, go play A&M. Now, again, it sort of gets undercut by the fact of uh, they might not need to do it anyway. Even without the Big Ten game, they might not need to do it. 
But that was my scenario that I thought about earlier today, knowing that big the Big Ten, excuse me, knowing that Ohio State would most likely still need another game, even though I'm sort of flirting with the idea that they wouldn't, still need another game. A win over Texas A&M would be much better than a win over Northwestern. But that Big Ten championship is what they're is what they're going after. That that status of a of a title winner. But that was a scenario I played around with earlier today. Give you know have the integrity for the for the competition and the rules. But the one rule you do change is one that you should have changed a long time ago, and that nobody is going to have an issue with. And you don't look like cowards. You don't look like you're protecting anybody. You're giving Ohio State an opportunity to go out and prove it, which is exactly what everybody wants. So go yeah, I, I just I just feel like this year more than ever has never has not been about competition. It's been so blatantly about money. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, yeah. It, like I'm I'm agreeing with you. I completely yeah. agree with you. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to I didn't mean to be redundant. I just this year's just been so disappointing in that regard, you know? Like Absolutely. Like the, the, I it's, and, and it has nothing to do with the players. Right. It really it just really doesn't. It has to do with the boosters it has to do with it has to do with coaches and you know if you're okay I, I, let's segue to another coach who's in a situation right now at at, at LSU yeah ed o is um his his seat was pretty hot after the mississippi state game or it it became hot cuz a lot of people started to say well is this you know is now without so much miss or with with so much missing from last year is is Ed O going to be able to you know he was gifted this fantastic thing and or he sort of backed into it however you want to say it and now he doesn't have any of that stuff and his team's not winning and everything else seems to be falling into the crapper as well wood chipper yep. <laughs> for for Corey <laughs> them, them boys went and jumped in the wood chipper um I. I've never seen anything like this before. I think the numbers I, I think the numbers I saw by Josh Pate and someone else was like 16 players have either opted out or transferred this season. Um, that's including um, five-star Rick Gilbert, number one tight end uh, out of Georgia last year, this past recruiting class, who may or may not be homesick um, in his that's state. That's the of, reports I'm reading that he's homesick. Homesick in the state of Georgia. Um We'll talk more about that off the air because I have some stuff to tell you about that. Um, well, but anyway. uh, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you one thing. Yeah. There's 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 two people who are making phone calls, and one of them's in Athens, and the other one's holding on to a, a Waffle House coffee cup right now. You you got to believe Jeff Collins is making a push. If he's homesick, Jeff Collins is making a push. How big would it be for Georgia Tech to end up with Eric Gilbert? Not that they would, because obviously would you know Georgia's the the, the, the national championship contender, but how big would it be for them to steal Eric Gilbert? How big would that be for their run in the in the city of Atlanta and, and just that metro area and the high schools there for them to steal Eric Gilbert, especially away from Georgia? Hoo-wee! That would well, be big. It, it would be big, but I'll just say Eric Gilbert grew up a Georgia fan and his family's Georgia fans, but also – the passing game that Georgia has put on display the past two weeks is is making a lot of people turn their heads. I'll just say that, okay? Like, sure. That, that's all I can say on the air 
in documented form. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but you and I can talk. Robbie about talks it. to people. I, I do. I I have a couple friends that work at the University of Georgia, and then obviously our friend. We we have a mutual friend who works near the University of Florida. So, um, I we have want, a mutual friend that works at Florida, or for like around Florida. Like okay, my fault. Um, no, sorry. LSU's in a really bad situation. Um, you know, Josh Pate pointed this out uh, earlier this or this weekend. You know, Coach O made some really kind of bold, beating around the bush claims about Dave Aranda and his lack of importance at LSU. Once you know, once he decided to go take the head coaching job at Baylor, and made some then some more bold claims when Bo Pelini came in and said the defense was way better and he's seeing things that would make this team, you know, this defense be even more dynamic than last year. Made some claims after beating Bama last year. Made some claims after winning the national championship. You know, all this stuff. And then you lose your you lose your offensive guru. You lose your defensive coach. You lose 14 draft picks. And now you are now you have lost almost 17 more players and you like the you're supposed to have 85 scholarship players on your team. Right now, LSU has 63, man. 63. And that's not including injuries and such. That's not it? including injuries, and that's not even including the bulk of what I think is about to hit with this all this sex scandal stuff. Yeah, it's a mess over there right now. It is. So let me ask you this. In, in order, in order of, of expectation of who's going to be fired— Okay, who do you think gets fired first? And you rank them in order. And when I'm sorry, who who gets replaced first? Coach O, Tom Herman, Harbaugh, or Chip Kelly? So Chip Kelly is definitely last because UCLA is playing; they're competing. Okay, and they're above, and he's now for the first time above 500, which highlights exactly why he would be on this list. But they're they're competing and, and they've been in all of their games and now like I said they're what three and two or whatever it is. So he's he's at the bottom. I think Tom Herman is second to last for this season because it sounds like Urban Meyer isn't interested in coming back just yet. At least yeah. that's what how what I've read up to this point. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh would be after that, so he'd be number two on the list. Because, you know, they're they're supposed to have the conversations this week about his uh, contract, uh, and then they could end up playing another game. But that so that might push the contract talks back a little bit. But they've sort of put some stuff on the table. You know, they've made an offer in terms of an, of an extension and what that you know might look like with incentives and you know lower base salary, blah blah blah. Some people have said he's got interest from the NFL, which I think that's a thing that comes through. Uh, every offseason, will he return to the NFL, especially considering how poorly things have gone? Uh, so I would put him number two because if the NFL's calling, maybe he wants to go back there. Uh, that's been shot down, it feels like, a lot. So I'd put him at number two. So Ed O is at number one, and it's kind of obvious, but a big part of it is you play in the South, and the South don't play. Uh, when when you're losing the way that he's losing uh, and then you have the extra stuff going on, there might not even be. And you're throwing fits on sidelines. Right. There might not even be a, um, uh, an option for LSU. 
there might not be an option considering the sex scandal and the players leaving and all this other stuff. How quick did they fire Gene Chizik at Auburn after a national championship? One season of four and seven. Yes. Whatever it was. He, Ed Orgeron might get the benefit of the doubt after such an incredible 14 and 0, 15 and 0 season, whatever it was. But with this, with the scandals and the lawsuits and the whatever else on top of, on top of the losing, that might, that might be the straw that breaks the camel back, uh, camel's back. So, I would imagine if you're ranking out of those four, he would be number one, Jim Harbaugh, Tom Herman. I think they're ready to move on from Tom Herman. If they had a replacement, he might move up to number two because it doesn't sound like Michigan's ready to move on from Jim Harbaugh just yet, even though a lot of people think they should. And then I, I like I think Chip Kelly's improving things at UCLA. Um, I think I think I, I think I agree. With everything you just said. Of course you do. Um, I make good I, points. I, I should have put one in there that would have probably been number one, and that's Gus Malzahn. I, I think Malzahn's gone, man. Um, yeah, because he's not coming off of a national championship. Yeah. And he and, made he made the statement, I think, you know, if this was a regular year, we'd have a pretty darn decent season or something like that. And it's kind of like, yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's falling like a, a, a you know, a, a lead a lead balloon or whatever there in, in Auburn. What's funny is Bo Nix is the problem because I, I think they have a really talented team and I think Bo Nix is the problem. Um, so, uh, so anyway, uh, now we got to pick games, right? Yes. So unless you had anything else on LSU, yes, let's move on to games. Do you, I guess one question while I'm thinking about it, about the LSU situation, let's just say, let's just say Coach O stays, is able to stay another year. Do you see them? How long do you think it takes them to get out of the situation? Like to to back, not where they're like necessarily winning titles and breaking records in in offenses, but how long do you think until they're competitive again in at the SEC level, like to to, to win the SEC? You know, so the pandemic has created this sort of glitch in my mind that says, like I. I'm interested to see what everybody does, or not everybody, but I'm interested to see several different places if there's a full off season intact. You know, like I'm would this have been as bad for for LSU if there was an off season intact to implement Bo Pelini's stuff? Like is Bo Pelini looking bad because he's bad, or is he looking bad because his players, even at this point, haven't been able to fully grasp what he's doing. Like in a regular season, by this point, they're they're getting a better grasp of things because they've had a lot of more time to practice it. Uh, and the same thing at Tennessee, would their you know would would they Ooh, have looked better? Tennessee's would, another situation. Ooh. Sure, but but the point being, so that there's that glitch in my head. Yeah, and then so with a full off season, maybe they do get back to competing. But like you said, they're losing a lot. There's there's a leak somewhere, if if you will, and if they don't have if they're back to being the old LSU of not having anybody to play quarterback, then I mean he's he'll be fired after next year. Yeah, I mean it'll be the same thing at LSU like it was at Auburn for Chiswick. We're not we're not gonna play around with this. Where LSU we can get five stars at every single position, but for whatever reason we can't find a quarterback. So. 
you know, I think that'll that'll catch up to him real quick if he doesn't turn this around and and he isn't competitive next season. Then yeah, I think he's gone. Yeah, I would agree with you. Okay, games. We do anywhere, have games this weekend. Yeah, anywhere you wanted to start, particularly, um, there is I, Sam Howell versus Derek King, North Carolina and Miami, number well, seventeen, I mean, number ten. Well, you just started us off. Why? Why mention that I can choose where we go when you're going to pick where we go? Like, why are you doing that? Like, well, you... I just like to dabble. I like to hang the apple out in front of you. <laughs> North Carolina versus Miami is one of the best uh, games of the weekend. I, I would argue it's the best game of the weekend. And let me also say this: this is the first Saturday that my wife, my son, and I get to get to watch games together. And like, oh man, it's gonna be so cool. But anyway, um, and Lisa's gonna get to see Elijah's little setup that we have where he gets to watch little Moana or Toy Story, and Daddy has games set up and watching <laughs> games. Um, and I guess Lisa can like go make sandwiches for us or something, um, you know, like like ladies are supposed uh, to do, you know? like women are supposed to do. She's scouting, you know? <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. Uh, Miami, North Carolina, uh, Derek King, who has been probably one of the highlights of this year of this season, and he he commented earlier that, or today that on and this is on Wednesday that he he actually kind of wants to come back to Miami next year. He has nothing to lose because he's probably not an NFL quarterback, but he can make this Miami team. Like can you like I can't imagine what an actual offseason with this team, the way they're recruiting, the, the transfer portal, the way that Manny Diaz is using the transfer portal like it's his own kitchen and he's just grabbing whatever he wants. I think this could really benefit them. And they're playing a North Carolina team that has statistically one of the best offenses in the country. I think they're top six in offenses. Um now Miami has nowhere near the defense that Notre Dame does. So I'm thinking that this is gonna be a shootout. I think it's going to be a really good game. Um, I'll pick first. <sighs> give me give me the Canes, bro. Give me the Canes. Yeah, so North Carolina is giving up a surprising, I thought it was going to be more than this, they're only giving up 404 yards of total offense. I say only because I thought it was going to be more than that. Um, but still, they've been in positions this season where they've gotten into shootouts I think it was the Virginia Tech game, and um, they got to a lot of points. Uh, Virginia Tech, like I said, gave up 31 to Florida State, gave up 44 to Virginia, 53 to Wake Forest. Uh, they gave up the nine points last week, but that was Western Carolina. 31 points again to Notre Dame, so and got shut out in the second half of that ball game. But nonetheless, this uh, North Carolina team has given up some points, but so has Miami. And so you've already touched on that. 34 points to Louisville, 42 points to Clemson, but that's Clemson. 41 points to NC State, which was a pretty big surprise. Uh, and then they're coming off of a big blowout win uh, on the road to Duke. Miami's been on the road for the last three weeks, actually. I like Miami in this game, too. I don't know if North Carolina has has the ability to stop Derek King. I just... He he's playing like you agree with me, right? Like he's playing at a level that like in any other season, I'm not saying he'd be a Heisman, you know, I'm not saying that at all. But like he'd be getting a lot of credit. Right? Or well, do you think I'm making mu- you think I'm making more of, of it? No. You're I don't probably not. I mean, he's the leading the second leading rusher on the team, 51 yards per game. I think we probably thought that would be more. We probably thought he'd be tearing it up both on the ground and through the air, uh, you know, at a larger clip or whatever. But it's putting the ball in the air really well. 
yeah, I mean, maybe if this was a full season and he had, you know, a, a, a few more games and, a, and you know, a longer offseason to sort of uh, slide into things, then, yeah, I think he could have some Heisman hype. Um, you just – you look at the guys with the Heisman hype and they're just putting up ridiculous numbers. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, Derek King's, yeah, cool. Derek King's having a, a great season. And um, – but but so is North Carolina on offense. I mean, Sam Howell is – for for everything that Derek King is doing, Sam Howe is doing a lot of it through the air only. Twenty six touchdowns, six interceptions, sixty eight percent. They've nearly got two one thousand yard rushers at North Carolina in a ten game pandemic shortened season. Like that's, yeah. that, that can't be overlooked either. No, that's a good point. Um, it helps whenever your defense is giving is giving up touchdowns really quickly, so your offense has to get the ball back and score really quickly. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, man. I, I, like I said, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Miami, and I'm actually pretty confident in this uh, that, <clears throat> that they're gonna win. And also, I think Miami really needs a win. They need a win here um, because like so many people want to throw you know get throw a fit because Miami hasn't moved from ten. Well, why would they? Their best win is still NC State. Like they don't have a good win, and this could be a good win for them. Um, let me take us to um I, I don't I don't think we need to pick LSU Florida, do you? Like Florida's gonna Florida's gonna whoop them. Right? Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I see any scenario likely scenario unless Florida were to, you know, to sputter and turn the ball over, which they've done some turnover stuff. But I think their defense has played better lately with some of those turnovers. Uh, that they have given up to some of these other teams, Tennessee and, and, and Kentucky. I don't have a great amount of confidence in LSU's offense to capitalize on, you know, it was Kentucky who had 23 minutes and 23 seconds of time of possession. If you gave LSU that, how much confidence do you have in them scoring? Now that Eric Gilbert's out and Terrence Marshall are out, I, I don't I don't have any confidence in LSU to to take advantage of any big breaks that come their way, Kyle Trask will bide his time if he has to, and then he'll pop late second, early third, and you know they'll they'll be out in front. So yeah, I think I don't think there's a scenario for for LSU. No, I think I think what Florida needs to do is beat the crap out of LSU early, get out unscathed, uninjured, because you've got you, you, in a week you play the big boys of Alabama. So. Um, all right, let's go to probably one of the most fun games of the weekend for me. I don't know if you agree with this, but UCLA or USC at UCLA. As you pointed out, UCLA is playing playing good, playing motivated, playing with some heart. USC seems to be one of the most lackluster undefeated teams in the country. Um, just you kind of expected more out of them. Uh, you you kind of don't know, you know, like, yes, they beat, you know, they're, if you look at their score, if you look at the scoreboard the last two games, you're like, oh, well, they blew them out. I watched both those games. They did not look like blowouts. Um, well, the Washington State game did. I was, I was about to say the Washington State game did. <laughs> Washington State just is not good. Um, I, dude, I think I'm going to go upset here. I think UCLA wins this game. I, I yeah, think Chip so... just found some rhythm with this, with this year's team. But go ahead. I like Keaton Slovis a lot. He looks the part. He looks like he's ready for the NFL. There's just like when you watched 
Slovis and you watch the the quarterback for Washington State, you're kind of like, okay, there's a nice little barometer of what an NFL quarterback looks like versus what one doesn't look like. The ball comes, he's, there's a cleanness to, to Slovis. I really like the way that he's playing. He's only got the two interceptions. For whatever, uh, you know, whatever they're lacking, I don't know if it, if it hinges on Slovis completely. I don't know what it hinges on that, that has kind of caused them not to be super stellar because every time I turn it on, he is connecting with London and with St. Brown, and it's looking really, really good. Um, but UCLA is playing with some sort of, like you, like you mentioned, they're playing with some sort of fire. They're, they're doing good defensively with only 373 being allowed. Give me USC because I think they're 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 plugging along uh, at a at the right kind of clip. I don't know if I love UCLA against the pass. I don't hate them against the pass, but I don't know if I love them against the pass. So give me USC, but I'm not. I don't feel like I'm standing on super stable ground uh, with that pick. It's sad, though, that we thought coming into this season, like back, if you remember back in April, like we were like Slovis, this, these receivers, USC, man, they, they can make a run this year. You know, they can make a run to the playoff. And except for whooping a bad Washington State team, they just have not looked impressive to me at all this year. Um, I could be wrong. But, but yeah, this UCLA team, like just, man, something about them, right? Just something about them. Like, is this going to be the turning point in Chip Kelly's career at UCLA? Yeah. Did it take global pandemic for him to finally start caring about recruiting? <laughs> um, but uh, so let's um, you pick the next game. All right. So just kind of looking ahead. Do you have any interest in Auburn, Mississippi State? Heck, yeah, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Because I think this is the Malzahn Bowl, bro. I think if Malzahn loses this game, he's fired. Yeah, that would put him at five and five, and of course, losing to a two and six team. This is um, this it's is on the road. Night. This is Nix. senior night. Uh, oh, what's his name? Bo Nix is significantly worse throwing the ball on the road at, than he is at home. It's at night. It's senior night for Mississippi State. This defense of the, the front seven for Mississippi State are, I think, are almost all senior laden. Um, I'm going Mississippi State because I just don't think Auburn is very good with Bo Nix at the helm. Yeah, and they're, and they're, and he's not great on the road. I don't know what the numbers are. It's like ten percent less at per, per, uh, at, at completion percentage. It's like ten point difference. Yeah. If if they lose on the road, it is. I think it's because Bo Nix has a bad night. Uh, I think if they can get a good night out of Bo Nix, the Mississippi State offense is. I don't think it's completely found itself yet. I think they're doing better. I think they're 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 finding some answers. I don't think they're finding enough. Give me Auburn, but again, I'm not standing on super super stable ground. Six and a half points fa- uh, point favorite for uh, for Auburn there. How many points? I'm sorry. They're they're six and a half point favorite okay. uh, according to the line. I'm not picking them by six and a half. I just that's yeah. the line. Okay, let me pick. The next game. Um, let's go. 
Let's go Minnesota at Nebraska. A mm. year in the offseason, this would have been a cakewalk game expectation for Minnesota. Because, you know, everyone just thought Nebraska was going to be awful. Well, Nebraska isn't great this year. Um, I'm, I'm pulling up their schedule. I'm pulling, yeah, they only have two wins. <laughs> only have two wins. Um, yep, Minnesota only has got two, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm just... This is, I guess this is just the battle of disappointing seasons. Um, you know, Nebraska, you know, I think in a way are being punished. <laughs> we're, we're punished by the Big Ten for their comments this offseason. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that this comes down to talent. And I will take, I'll take Minnesota's talent over Nebraska. Yeah, it feels like it's hard not to pick uh, Minnesota for the fact that they've only played in five games, they've nearly got a 1,000-yard rusher. And um, uh, and Muhammad Ibram, is that Ibram? Uh, He's got 817 yards rushing on 155 carries and 13 touchdowns through five games. Um, And I've not been able to see exactly what Nebraska does against the run, but something tells me if that's the way they can run the football, then... Uh, you know, you could be in a watch-out situation. They're not super stellar. Four yards a carry against Nebraska, but 170 yards. Yeah, I think I'll take Minnesota. Yeah. Okay, you pick next anybody. Does West West Virginia have an opportunity to upset Oklahoma? I mean, they're coming off of a bad performance, sort of an embarrassment against Iowa State this past weekend. West Virginia is. Um, I don't think I don't so. Love this West Virginia team. I think Oklahoma is in buzzsaw mode, man. Yeah, they've got a lot of their their better people back. Yeah, like, and they don't even, and they don't even have Hasselwood. Like, that's the scary part. They're missing one of the most talented wide receivers that they got last year, and. Yeah, I, I just don't see. I, I don't. I don't see it because I, I. I think. I think this is the best Oklahoma has looked. They. They. They remind me of that like 2016, um, USC team with. Um, oh, he plays for the Jets now. Um, Darnold. Darnold. Yeah, and they lost like two or three games early on because Darnold wasn't playing, and they. But they. It was obvious that they looked like one of the best teams in the country. Um, I think their offense and their defense are at, are getting to that point right now. Like they look really good, and I think they're going to handle West Virginia um, before they go in and get upset by Iowa State next week. But go ahead, what do you got? Uh, Washington, Oregon. Oh, three and one Washington. They just got beat by my Stanford Cardinal. Mm. And, oh yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Uh, right. hey man, Mario Cristobal's been coming under some fire lately. This this kind of a lot of people are like, yeah, man, he does all that great recruiting, got all that great recruiting, but uh, he's he's sort of like the Oregon folks might be kind of upset because they kind of keep losing some games they don't feel like they should be losing. Yeah, um, you're actually not the first person I've heard mention that. Um, where do you think I heard it from? <laughs> Probably the same place I did. Uh, that's a really good point, though. You know, 
why why can't you you know why can't you why can't you do something <laughs> you know like there it's like that one kid po- poking the stick at the other kid on the ground like do something um i i'm really disappointed in oregon and i'm hoping that this all has to do with covid and not having an off season and opt outs of some of your best players because they have they've had injuries and opt outs and so that needs to be taken into account however that does not take that, that has nothing to do with their quarterback situation that has just not like he is just so up and down Give Same me his last name. Is it Schult? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Give me Washington here, man. Yeah, I think I'll take Washington. I don't think they're going to bounce back from that loss too kindly, and uh, they, they've got a different sort of pop and a you know that fire is back. That fire that you know Chris Peterson sort of talked about losing, and the and the team lost the fire. Mm-hmm. Feels like they kind of have that back. So I think they bounce back from the win and. I mean, but Oregon's in the similar position. Their backs are up against the wall too. They, you know, Mario Cristobal's got to, he's got to do something here. So uh, that that could be one of the better games of the weekend. There, knowing that those two teams have got to come out fighting. Do you have anything else for this weekend? Well, I mean, outside of the the Georgia Missouri game, man, this is a yeah, battle you, of two ranked teams. What do you What are you interested? Just as Georgia people, and and we've got Georgia people that listen to us. What are you wanting to see from the dogs in this game? Obviously, against who, uh, um, you know, South Carolina. I I wanted to see a little bit more of a balanced attack. I wanted to see some more steps, you know, in a in a real fun and exciting way from Daniels. And in some senses, you got that, but in other senses, it was like, man, that that's an underthrown ball. And man, I just. But when the ground game's working like it is, you 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 know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So. I get it from that standpoint. I'm not mad at that performance or, or whatever happened, but I want to get back to seeing balance. Daniel's throwing the ball, you know, 25, 28 times, something like that, and, you know, really lighten up and flexing those muscles on the outside, um, you know, putting on a show for, for Eric Gilbert, you know? Yeah, for me, this has oh, to yeah, be— yeah, Missouri's ranked. You said that, and I was like, yeah. I didn't even hit that, and now I'm looking at it. Yeah, Missouri's ranked. Holy cow. George has a— <laughs> Like Georgia's potential to have their only ranked win of the season. Well, Auburn was ranked at the time. Yeah, but we know now that they're not good. Right, so but they were ranked at the time. Let's um, not get into that conversation. Because yeah, you and I don't agree on that. Um, <laughs> Georgia has to dominate this this game, offensively and defensively. They have to, um, because like I, I feel like Georgia is all they have to do is win. Because I don't I, like, even though I have tickets to the game next weekend against Vandy, I don't think that game's going to get played. Um, and Georgia has a chance to play in the New York Six Bowl game again, probably against Cincinnati, which I just would love to see that because I want to see how you know I, I want to see this team. Because here, here's one credit I'm going to give the University of Georgia: they have pro- possibly about six or seven dudes on the defensive side of the ball who are going to go play in the NFL, who are going to get drafted in April or May. And they have not they have not given up, they have not opted out, they've continued to play. And to me, that just means a lot. That's not me that's not me crapping on those who have opted out. I'm just saying like it just means it does mean a lot for a senior who got hit by a car to continue to want to come and practice and play and be on the field with his with his teammates because it's his last season to get to do that. And got hit by two cars. Got hit by two cars. And so um and so I'm just I'm just saying, I think 
Georgia has to dominate Missouri, and I think they will because I think our offense is that is has turned into a buzzsaw in a way. And I think, I hope, I pray that our defense will be able to be good again because they haven't yeah. really they haven't really been good since the second half of Tennessee of the Tennessee game. Yeah, not not to the dominant level. Um, you're right. Uh, yeah, it'd be nice. You've had an extra week of rest. Um, Missouri's probably had, I think, some similar time as well. So, you know, you get that extra time. Yeah, I'd like to see it kind of come back to flexing the muscles and uh, sort of showing off the talent that you've got because that was kind of the the worst part of sort of that middle part of the year is it's kind of like, where's all this talent? Like, why does this – I know it's out there, but, boy, it's not – it just looks like we're not utilizing, you know, we weren't utilizing the pieces very well for whatever reason, for whatever different numbers of reasons it was. It was just like, golly, this doesn't look like we're the, we're the, you know, the number one rated roster in the country. So yeah. I would like to get back to, to looking like that. Uh, before we get out of here, is yes. there, does your, does your heart hurt knowing that the game won't be played this weekend? First time really, since 1917, I think it is. It really does. Like, you know, we crapped on the Big Ten, but like, I love that game. Like, even though it hasn't really been a rivalry for a while, you know, in, in its truest sense, like, it's just such a, it's just such a cool game. Aesthetically, it, it would possibly be kind of like snowing, you know, th- you know this weekend. I, I just, I really do hate that. Um there's a lot of things about this season that I've missed, and the traditions and the pageantry is definitely one of them. Yeah, and then the you know the horseshoe filled to the brim with with people, and you know, yep. yeah, all that stuff's really, uh, really a lot to lose, and that's that's always the great thing about college football is there's so much, and we can end on this. There's so much about college football that's great. That has nothing to do with championships. That has nothing to do with, you know, the, the the college football playoff or even the conference title. Those things help, and that helps the game. But at the same time, sometimes it's just, you know, these two teams could be zero and eight at the end of the year. But if they could get the win over the big bad rival, you know, that that changes the whole thing. And that's always the cool thing about college football. The NFL doesn't have that. Pro sports doesn't have that, um, but college football does. And and this is where this is you know one of those spots where it you know it, it definitely means like we already said we already said it. You know Michigan could turn their season around with a win over Ohio State, and they don't get that chance. Harbaugh could change his whole career at Michigan with a win over Ohio State, <laughs> especially this year and the way Ohio State looks. And um, yeah. And the way that Michigan has looked, and yeah, it would be big. Yeah. All right, uh, Roberto. Unless you've got anything else, uh, App State and Georgia Southern play. That's a seven win, uh, two seven win teams uh, going up against one another. That I saw. Um, I don't think there's really anything else of over. Mich- I mean, I think Michigan State, Penn State would have been a good game. Maybe last week, or in the last year. Still, maybe might be. Um, I think it could be fun if we get good Michigan State against good Penn State. I think it would be a really entertaining game. Like I, I'm just going to say, throw this out there. This weekend, I think, is quietly going to be one of those awesome weekends of college football games. Um, but we just don't see it on paper. And how about, man, what if our, like, what if the best Arkansas team could show up and really give <laughs> Alabama a run? 
You know what I mean? Like the yeah, Arkansas yeah. team that played in that first half against Georgia and, 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 you know, that Arkansas team that was right there with Auburn and, you know, that, that, that there's just been plugging away all season, putting their nose to the grindstone. That would, uh, that would be at least fun from a, you know, from a competition standpoint. No, I agree, man. Uh, Army, Navy, Army, Navy. Oh my goodness. Is that this weekend? That usually sits on its own. Yeah, man. Army, Navy's this weekend. I, oh. you know, obviously Army all day. My wife, um, Serves in the army. My brother is a marine, so uh, we'll uh, okay. I'll take the midshipman there. Okay. I've also well. got a buddy that was a pastor down here. Uh, the get this, Rob. His name is Joe Buck, um, and so we joke with him Joe about Buck. being the <laughs> Joe Buck. Uh, yeah. But he's he was in the navy. He went to navy. Uh, he went to Florida State and to Auburn. So we give him a bunch of crap there. But uh, he went to navy. He was in the navy. He's back in the navy now as a chaplain. So, um, so hats off to Joe Buck and, uh, and my brother and, uh, you know, be army, you know, no, let's lose to army. Um, <laughs> very good. All now, right, buddy. Your brother-in-law's army ranger. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Brother, brother-in-law was army ranger. My father-in-law was a colonel in the army and my wife obviously is in the army. So, um, and yeah. also if you, I don't know if you've seen them, the jerseys for the uniforms for these game for this game are so Dope. They're so good. I think I saw them, but I, I I didn't get a chance to really sit and study them. You know me and my uniforms. I know old, old and so, old and classic. So freaking weird. <laughs> go 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 look at that. Go, go look at that. Those uniforms and text me later and tell me what you think because I think I think those things are awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm good to go. Very good. All right. Well, he's uh Robbie. I'm Spencer. Two friends, one love. That is college football. Be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, all those different things. We appreciate you being patient with us. We know we miss a couple of weeks, but uh, we're doing this for fun, so uh, we, we're glad that you you come along with us. Uh, here on A Rich Tradition, College Football Podcast. We'll catch you on the flip-flop. Later. Later.